Tina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners, welcome back to a new episode of the podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different because it's actually just me. There is no Liz on the other end of the mic today or no guest. This episode is actually a recording of my first ever workshop that I presented a couple of weeks ago at Peace Lutheran Church in Gahanna. And I was really excited to share it with you. Number one, because it was the first workshop I've ever hosted. And number two, because you really get to know me a little bit better. I share my personal story at this workshop. I go into a little bit more detail about some of the health struggles that I've been through as well as taking questions from the audience and really trying to help diagnose sort of what's going on in their own lives and give my my tips and ideas and tools. And so although I'm not going to have the audience members recorded on this episode of the podcast, I will be recapping their questions and then kind of going back and forth between me recapping what happened during the workshop and then actually playing the recording from that day. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. And if coming to a workshop is something that you are interested in, especially if you're in the Columbus area, we have two exciting events coming up in April. The first is on April 7th, and that workshop is going to be at Namaste in Love Yoga Studio in Gahanna. And that uh, workshop will be hosted by me, and it's going to be all about the importance of adrenal and gut health for balanced mood, increased energy, and clear digestion. So basically, if you feel like you are running from one obligation to the next, always sipping coffee at every chance you get, and really just struggling to keep up, that workshop is definitely for you. It was a workshop that I needed a couple of years ago and still need reminded about to this day. But at that workshop, I will help you break down the causes of adrenal burnout, why our digestive health is so intricately connected to our everyday stress and anxiety, and we'll end up brainstorming ways to kind of embrace the crazy of life while also prioritizing practical tools to really heal the mind and the body so you can live a really happy and balanced life. So that adrenal and digestive health workshop, again, is with just me um, at Namaste and Love, and it's free. So I can't wait to see you guys there. That is April 7th. And then later in April, on April 20th, Liz and I will be hosting a workshop in collaboration with the founder of Harness Magazine, Ashley Rector, and Columbus health coach, Julie Wino, over at the new yoga studio, Lit Life in Italian Village, That workshop, I cannot even tell you how excited I am, is going to be all about harnessing your fear and how to live through your fear in order to bust through blocks and really live your best, most courageous life. Do the things you want to do and not let anything hold you back. So more details will be coming on the April 20th workshop and later episodes of the podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for those so you can get all of the juicy details. All right, and now we're going to hop into my workshop at Peace Lutheran Church. I always have been sort of into this whole concept of the mind-body-spirit connection, 
And every time I have somebody that likes to go deep in conversation, I would always start talking about these concepts. And, you know, little by little, I started kind of exploring people that were into these ideas and reading more books. And so it was always in the back of my head. I started a yoga practice and that really helped me. Um, it kind of started with yoga, honestly. I got into, I just started with YouTube. Like I just found a couple YouTube accounts I liked and started doing yoga. And then eventually I went to a studio and I started doing yoga there. But it wasn't really anything that was something that I was doing or helping other people with yet at the time. Um, until about three years ago, my body itself started to kind of give out on me. So what I like to say was I was basically living in the red zone all of the time. I was getting a master's degree. I was working at two middle school buildings teaching choir. I had over 500 kids that I was teaching every day. Then I was going to get my master's after that. Um, I was planning a trip to New York, which somebody actually remembered in the back. Um, so I was taking a group of kids to New York City. So I was having after school rehearsals with that and basically just filling my life to the brim. But I kind of, a part of me liked it. I had always kind of lived that way. Um, and I always had kind of been on the anxious side, but I was like, oh, I'm fine. Just keep drinking coffee, it'll be okay. Like, just push yourself. And what I talk to my clients about is the red zone is basically when you fill your body to the brim with as much energy as it can possibly handle. And so when you think about your, you're living in the red zone, if something happens or a situation happens, it's just gonna push you over the edge. Right? But if you're living down, and I call it the blue zone, if you're living in more of this clear, blue, balanced level, you can add some stress to your life and you're not going to tip over. Right? But I was already in the red zone and then I just kept pushing it and pushing it. Uh, so what ended up happening was I actually had my first panic attack. And I'd never had a panic attack before. I had no idea what it felt like. I thought it was dying. I was actually on a trip with my friends. We were going to Tennessee. And I remember getting there and I called my, my mom and dad and I was like, I have to go home. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm freaking out. My dad was like, you're having a panic attack. Like, I've had these before. It's genetic. Hey, good. you got it. And um, it was kind of at that point where I realized something needed to happen. So basically, my anxiety kind of shot out the roof. In addition to that, a lot of hormonal problems I've started to deal with. And so, of course, I was like, something's wrong with me. Like, it's nothing that I'm doing. I can't, you know, I'm still going to keep living the life that I'm living, but something's wrong with me. So I would go to my doctor. And at that point, I was waiting. I remember sitting in the doctor's office, and I was waiting for him to be like, oh, yes, you, you just have a thyroid issue. So we just need you to, you know get on thyroid medication, or that he was going to say, oh, you're just like vitamin D deficient. That's why, you know, whatever. I was waiting for him to tell me one of these things. And he was like, you're absolutely fine. So you just need to get on anxiety medication. And I was like, wait, no, that's not, no, something's wrong. Like there has to be something wrong. But he told me nothing was wrong. So I left with a prescription for anxiety meds, which I, it just wasn't sitting well with me at the time. And I was like, this can't be, this can't be the solution, right? There has to be something more. Um, in addition to that, with all of the hormone problems I was having at such a young age, I went to my gynecologist and I was waiting for her to tell me something like, oh, well, you have PCOS or you have some sort of syndrome, right, that I could fix. But I was also completely fine. So the reason, there was nothing in that realm that she could tell me to fix either. So she just said, just take birth control. It'll fix everything. And again, that didn't sit well with me. So I ended up actually kind of taking my health into my own hands and started exploring more on the nutritional side of things. 
and incorporating more yoga, more meditation, really taking a look at my lifestyle. And eventually I started to feel better. My anxiety started to decrease. Um, I actually had more energy than I ever had before. Um, my skin was clearing up, all of these things. And I was like, you know what? If I never would have started exploring these things on my own, I would have never known that my body was actually capable of feeling well on its own without taking all these extra measures. And so that's when I started IIN and got the certification. Doctors are here for a reason. Like we need to go to our doctors and sometimes, yes, we do need medications to help bring us back to balance. But I think where the disconnect is often and I see, you know, with my clients that I work with or just people that I talk to is the reason we have symptoms in our body, the reason our body is starting to show us signs of unbalance is because there's a deeper rooted issue. And so when we just decide, like in my case, if I would have just taken the anxiety medication or if I would have just taken the birth control, it would have masked my symptoms, but I really wouldn't have gone to the root and healed them. And so, and of course I'm still healing, right? Because we can't be in 100% balance all the time. That's not reality. But I now know my own body so well that when I feel myself again creeping up to the red zone, it's time for me to say, okay, what do I need to do to bring myself back down? What's my body asking of me? How's What's happening in my mind that I need to reassess? How's my nutrition been? How does nutrition play a factor in what's going on and my anxiety levels or my hormone levels? And I think that's the big thing. Like, yes, yeah, sometimes we do need medicine, but there's always ways that we, our body's made to work well. And I really realized, and, and that's the possibility of healing yourself. I feel like when I, if I just took, I'll go back to the anxiety medicine, for example. If I just took that, it wasn't me being able to heal myself. It was the pill doing the work for me. And once it was really a mental shift, once I believed that I could be well, then that positive mindset relaxed my body, which changed the way I viewed what I was doing, which ended up making me be well, if that makes sense. So my thought process actually changed the way my body dealt with the issues that were going on. And I think that's another issue I see is that it's really shifting the switch to, I actually have the ability to heal myself. I might need a little bit of help here and there, but ultimately I know my body better than anybody else. So I have the ability to listen and heal. So even if you are on like one or two things, it's like that's kind of, again, easing your symptoms and helping you. But what else can you do to, so that your body does some of the work as well, right? So you have the medicine that's, again, balancing you and helping you. But there's so much more that you can do to help bring down levels and ease and just nourish your body, whether that be with food or movements or relaxation techniques. You can find lots of ways. When I say that our bodies are made to work well, they truthfully are, right? Like we were born this way with all these pieces and parts to work so that they do their job so that we're healthy and we're happy. But when you think about like, what did you eat when you were younger, right? Like what did you eat through your teen years? What did you eat through young adult life and into now? Or how did you treat your body all those years? Like when we're young, our body's so versatile, right? It's like it can keep up and everyone thinks, well, it's old age, right? Now my body isn't working. But really, it's years and years and years of your body trying to work for you. And then finally, it's like, well, <laughs> I'm done, right? And basically, what happened with me, I see in a lot of 
young women my age or younger than me is it those are the signs that started right so maybe I didn't have a thyroid issue just then or maybe I didn't have PCOS or endometriosis or any of those things but I probably was heading there because if you think about it how many women do you know with a thyroid disorder right and a lot of times like my mom for example she ended up telling me later she's like oh yeah I had I had endometriosis like I didn't know that right and so a lot of these things are kind of genetic and your body, after a while, trying to keep up with your lifestyle, whatever you're predisposed to genetically will start to pop up. And then that's the signs where you say, okay, when it first pops up, right? Well, maybe what can I do? But a lot of times we're just unaware. Like I was unaware. You know, you keep going and you keep going. And then at that point, yes, then you need to intervene because sometimes your body can't get back down to balance on its own. You can always taper off, right? But... Yeah, that's kind of the concept is what can we do, maybe even if you're on medicine, to start bringing your normal body back down into balance and back down into the parasympathetic state that it wants to be in, which is the chill mode, the relax and digest mode. So before this workshop got started, I asked everybody that was in attendance to answer a few questions about their health. So where are they currently? Um, what were their biggest struggles with with meeting their health goals and where do they really see themselves in the future? If they could imagine the best, most healthiest, happiest version of themselves, where would that be and what's holding them back from getting there? And one of the first questions that was asked came from a busy mom who had spent so many years of her life really giving all of her energy to her children and to those around her. And I think that that's a problem that a lot of us have, especially women, where we decide that you know, everybody else is is more important than us. And we drain our energy just giving and giving and giving. So you'll hear me kind of talk through my thoughts on that and give some helpful tips. So that reminds me of my mom, actually. So I have a brother with severe special needs. He's 20, how old is Nick? Oh my gosh, 26? <laughs> yeah, he's turning 26. Um, so he lives at home. He's nonverbal. He actually is still in diapers. He's just super, super cute kid, but like hyper, walks around. He actually just had a seizure. He has seizure disorder, things like that. So my mom, oh my gosh, God bless her. She's the best woman I know, but she takes on the world, right? She did it for me. She does it for my dad. She does it for my brother. And she um, has been struggling with things in her health. And I keep trying to tell her, I'm like, mom, you need to make time for yourself. You have to. And she's like, oh, Nina, I don't have time. Like, I got your brother and I got your dad and I got all this stuff going on. And what I, and I also not only in, in my mom, but I see this in one of the current clients, clients I work with, she's running around and, but I, but I have these job obligations. Well, when you really think about it, if you can try to prioritize your self-care even a little bit, you're able to give to your children or to your your job more because you're less fatigued, right? You feel better mentally, you feel better, but it's hard, right? It's hard to do those things. So it's basically coming up with baby steps. I think a lot of times when people talk to health coaches or they even learn about health, it's like, you need to eat like this and work out three times a day and drink all this water and you need to follow the paleo diet and you need to be vegan and all of these things. Well. Put, put, you know, like pump the brakes. Like, what if I just do one or two things, right? And then once I get one or two things down, then maybe I add a third thing, right? I and mean, that's what I work with with my clients. That's exactly what I work on them with. It's like, well, what's one thing you can do this week? 
And if you don't get to it, that's okay too. It's just let's keep moving forward and see. You know your body better than anybody else. And sometimes I think we believe that our doctor knows our body more. I mean, they know a lot of things. I mean, they know way more about us than about the body. But what I'm saying is they don't know your body as well as you do. And so a lot of times everyone believes like, well, I need to do the vegan diet because that's what my neighbor did and that worked for her. Or I need to run three miles a day because that's what my sister does and that works for her or whatever the case may be. But what do you actually need? I mean, are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? I'm an extrovert. So sometimes I need to close my office door and make sure no kids are coming in and I'll put on my, um, the call mat and I'll just put it on for five minutes and I'll close my door and I'll just meditate in my office because I used to never do that at all. And I would, there was a time where I was like, I don't have time for that. Right. But now I know I have to make time for that. And I don't care if a kid knocks on my door and sees me meditating because it's like, I'm going to teach you better in about 20 minutes. So you hold on. Right. So I think, again, it's like what you said, after you force yourself to do some of these practices and you feel the difference in your body, then you start to realize, okay, I do need to make time for this. I then received a question from another woman about learning how to take time for yourself and why it's so important to decide that taking time to prioritize calm and relaxation in your everyday life isn't selfish in any way. In fact, when you decide to take time for yourself, you're then able to give more to those that need you. And you're able to really utilize all of your gifts in a more positive and useful way. I was gonna say, I know there are men in the room, but what I will say is that's what I hear mainly from women is that they feel like, and men, I'm sure maybe you feel this way too, but this is just what I've heard from women, is that they feel guilty for taking that time for themselves because they feel so responsible. I think sometimes that's home stuff and maybe other times it's work-related. Like for maybe, right now I don't have kids. I just have a husband and a dog, right? So for me right now, it's work stuff. I feel guilty taking time for myself when I feel like I'm slacking on work. But then I need to remember that I don't want to get to where I was three years ago because it was pretty bad. I I almost didn't recognize myself anymore. Like I didn't have energy. I couldn't, I was tired. Like ask Cody, how often were you like, you always feel sick. You're always tired. Your stomach always hurts. And I used to get mad. I'm like, well, it does. (laughs) Like my stomach does hurt all the time. You know, I am tired. I am falling asleep at seven. And I feel like I'm, I was lucky in the the fact that I caught it kind of quick enough and maybe my conversations with Michael or whatever, things started to pop in my head where I was like, maybe there's a different way. But yeah, you're so right. Making a promise to yourself and just remembering how you feel in those moments is, I think, like the start to just living healthfully and living for you. The next question in this session actually came from a gentleman who is a teacher. And of course, me being a teacher myself, I completely relate to those that are working in fields where they are around so much energy, the energy of children, or maybe it's the energy of coworkers. But the fact of the matter is, in our work environments, we're continually surrounded by other people's stress, other people's happiness, other people's emotions. And what that does to our body is something that all of us need to be mindful about and really working to release other people's emotions from our body and realize that this the stress that we may be feeling sometimes or the sadness or the anger whatever that we may be feeling may not be ours to carry 
And in addition to that, most of us have this idea of all or nothing. And I kind of go into the concept of not always living in the white, not always living in the black, but how we can find that happy gray area in between when it comes to our health and wellness. Yeah, I think that I'm a teacher too. And first of all, the thing that a lot of think, well, with teaching is you don't realize how much energy you take on from the students. And that's in any workforce, really. If you're in close quarters with people, a lot of times like you're trying to focus on your own energy, but how much energy are you taking in from the person working next to you or the person complaining over there or the kids and their attitudes or whatever is happening. And then so you come home, not only with your own energy, but you come home with everybody else's energy and you have to find a way. It's flipping that switch again. Like I need to force myself. Maybe it's two minutes. Maybe it's sitting in the car, turning off your car and for two minutes, just like closing your eyes and breathing, right? It doesn't have to be, I think a lot of people have this all or nothing mentality. Like I'm either going to the gym three days a week and only eating vegetables or I'm eating pizza and sleeping on the couch, right? But it's not like we're not in black. We don't live in black or white. There's this gray area and we're human and we are always going to be ebbing and flowing, right? We can't be in balance all the time. But I don't think that we're made to either be here or here at all times. Like, yes, sometimes you're going to be here for like a day, right? And sometimes you might be here for a week when you're in Hawaii and you have nothing else to do, but then it's like finding how to live in this area. And don't write down 10 goals. That's another problem I see is it's like, well, all of these goals, I'm going, I'm going to hit all these goals. Well, maybe just pick two and then tell somebody, you know, I'm, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to achieve this. And then break that down, just baby steps, right? Anyway, there's a science to habit change. And it usually takes at least 30 days to start to develop a habit, right? So if you take a small goal and you do that for 30 days, then all of a sudden you're going to realize it's not, you're not even thinking about it anymore. Like meditating, that was how meditating was for me. Somebody then made a comment about feeling like they had to exercise or feeling like they had to go for a run or or lift weights or whatever it was. The feeling that we must do something just because uh, somebody on the radio told us or a magazine says this is the new way to do things or maybe, you know, your doctor told you that this is what you have to do in order to be healthy. Well, let's take a step back and really think, what does your specific body need? And I kind of go into my philosophy on listening to the needs of yourself as opposed to always listening to the rules that society has dictated for us. Find what you enjoy, find what makes you happy and then do that. You ask anybody and they'll tell you what's the best exercise to do or like what's the best diet to be on. But if you don't like your exercise choice, like if you feel like you need to be on the treadmill three days a week, but you hate the treadmill, well, then it's not going to work for you and you're not going to stick with that habit. But if you like walking or doing gentle yoga, I mean, when it comes to movement for me, it's purely just about movement. It's not about exercising. It's like what movement works for you. It could be anything. It could be sitting there with a weight, you know, or something, but finding what, and then the same thing goes for nutrition. I think a lot of times, like everybody has this diet mentality. There's a really good book, Health at Every Size, and it's about not dieting and how diets don't work, right? Because we restrict, and when we restrict, our brain automatically wants whatever you're restricting. 
And the same thing goes for exercise. Like if you hate it, your brain's going to, you know, recognize that and you're not going to do it anymore. So it's finding, it's, it's really all about tuning into your body, truthfully, and really choosing to love yourself and think about what you want, not what everyone else thinks you need to do. And that's with movement, and that's with nutrition, and that's with mindfulness. And all, I mean, we all, you all have the spirituality piece down, so you're good with that, right? But right now what we're seeing is we have a disconnect between all of that, right? It's either we're in our mind all the time, or we're dealing with ailments in our body all the time, or, you know, some of us are still trying to find our path, maybe spiritually. And when all of these are disconnected, that's when your body starts to panic. It's like, well, what's going on? I don't feel safe. It's, it's all about your body feeling safe, truthfully, safe and in balance. In this next section, I kind of elaborate on that whole idea of, again, breaking down these rules. We all have so many rules for what we think we need to do. And whenever I hear somebody say need or should, it's one of those times where you pause and say, you don't need to do anything. You don't have to do anything. But what is your body calling for you to do? So in this next section, you'll hear me again, break down my philosophy on health being a choice and health coming from listening to your intuitive voice and what feels really, really good in your body. And what I hear a lot is it's that those rules thing, you know, it's the rules and we have to start breaking down the rules because where in that book, you should read that book. It's a good one. We need to start learning is like, we don't need to do anything, right? Like just because they say we need to, or we read that we need to, or the news says we need to, Is that actually what we want? And what I would say to you is like, if you want to feel happier with your body and you want to just, yeah, Yeah. go for it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let's do it. But Mm -hmm. it's always about like taking it, taking it back a step. What I tell everybody is, is it, it's all about how you feel. Right. Right. Like the ultimate goal is, do you feel better? Right. Right. And if you feel better doing X, Y, and Z, then you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And if you feel strained or you feel um, like you're forcing yourself or, you think if you, the word need is always a trigger yeah. for me. If yeah. you feel like you need, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you want to feel? What's the, and that's the activity, actually, mm-hmm. that we could run oh. into. Yeah, yeah, I just thought about it. <laughs> we haven't done it but, mm-hmm. I, but yeah, I completely yeah. get what you're saying. In this next section of the workshop, we started talking about the youth of today and college kids and even middle school. I talk about my middle schoolers a little bit and that they don't understand quite yet how to find their intuitive voice and how to live in the calm. Everything is always to-do lists and it's always listening to what our parents think we need to do or what our teachers or our principal says we need to do. And how can we start teaching them that You know, life isn't always about the to-do list. It's not always about getting the homework assignment completed or getting the A or, you know, going to high school, then going to college, then getting a job. How do we get them to live into the creative side, live into their calm and listen to their intuitive voice and what they really want to do in life? You know, and I think a lot of times, like I teach middle school, and they don't get it at all. I mean, and they're young. They're, they're not matured enough yet to really grasp some of these concepts. But high schoolers and college kids are. And I think it's really like listening to them and where they're at. And the intention behind taking time for yourself is to, I like to say, to like refuel your body. Right? And to give yourself 
the time and, and the space to then be able to put more energy out into the world. And I don't know, I think it depends on this, the kid, right? But I think when you kind of ask like, well, what's your intention? But do they want to take time or do they not want to take time? Or are they just kind of like doing the college life, you know, and yeah. going and going and going? Yeah, what happens, what I find happens is it's not until unfortunately some, something kind of stops you in your tracks that you learn to do that on your own. I mean, if you see, if you can give people clues here and there, like you see them going down a specific path, you can always do that. But everybody knows that you're only going to, we're all stubborn humans, right? So we're only going to listen to one of these things when something happens to us, when we start to feel tired or we start to feel out of balance. And also what I see in children and high school students and college students is they're still in that mindset of doing what they think they need to do and what everybody else tells them that they need to do. And they feel like they have to do all of these things, right? Like I've gone to school and now I've graduated high school and now I need to go to college. Now I need to get all these A's in my classes and, and now I need to get a work study job and I have to do this and then I have to get an internship, right? And so what we're not teaching them is all of those things are good, but can you listen? Like, what do you want to do? You know, like outside of all that, like what's your heart calling you to do? And just making sure that we teach the younger generation to listen to what their soul is calling them to do, truthfully. We then go into a little meditative exercise to help us remember what makes us feel calm, what makes us feel good, what really puts our body into that parasympathetic state. And we discuss ways to make sure that we prioritize time to get our body into that state more often in order to keep overall balance in our lives. I was just saying, I was actually talking to one of my clients about that too, and that she's stressed all the time. And I said, well, think about a moment, and actually everybody can do this right now. Think about a moment where you truthfully feel calm and at peace and when you feel happy. What are you doing, right? Are you playing piano on a Sunday morning? Are you reading? Like, just take a moment and think of that, that situation for you. What makes you truly happy and what makes you feel fulfilled and calm? And then think about if you're actually prioritizing that in your life. A lot of times we're not. And so when you do prioritize the things that make you happy, then you start to realize that the other things don't matter as much. So when we were talking about her school life, for example, I was like, well, sometimes you don't have to take that stress with you. You know, sometimes you're choosing to because you feel like that's all, your mind is like laser focused on that. But when you take a step back and think, well, this makes me happy and this makes me happy, and I, I like being in this place, well, maybe I don't need to take all the stressful stuff with me. You know, maybe I can leave it once in a while. I think when we find things that make us happy and that we enjoy doing, the other stuff we kind of can brush off easier when we're doing things that we love, if that makes sense. There's this really good exercise I heard on a podcast, and it was about um, like really finding what your purpose is because your purpose changes so much throughout your entire life. And I was just talking to Michael, I'm about to go through my own transition soon. And I'm gonna go, and I'm bad at change. I mean, it's also a mental thing though. I tell myself I'm bad at change, so then when change happens, I start to guilt myself about being bad at change and then whatever. But the exercise came down to if, you're, if, if your purpose comes from something that can be taken away from you, like a job, or um, I don't know, like think about somebody that 
wanted to be like a pro football player and then maybe they get an injury, right? And, and they can't do that anymore. If your purpose can be taken away from you, then you, then that's just something that you're good at and you enjoy, but that's not your purpose, right? So our purpose for being here is something deeper. Like maybe we're a teacher, like maybe that's our purpose. Like we're here to teach or our purpose is we're here to help. But write down, like make a list of what's your purpose. And then if it's something that can be taken away from you, then it's like, okay, that's not my purpose. So right now I'm kind of dealing with that in my own life because I know this career transition that I'm about to take is going to hit me really hard. And I'm going to go through this all, like basically what you're saying, right? And I'm not going to be, there's nobody to hold me accountable besides myself type of thing. So I'm trying to figure out like, what, what's the reason for me doing this? I'm a helper, right? I'm here to make a difference in people's lives. That's why I'm here. So now what can I do to fill my time to make sure that I'm making a difference in helping in people's lives? Right? What, so it doesn't have to be that exactly, but that's something that's really helped me because I'll get into those funks too, where if I don't have something or somebody's expecting me, it's hard to motivate yourself. Again, because we're human. Our brain's wired to think negatively. That's just a proven fact, right? Because our body wants to protect ourselves and our mind wants to protect ourselves. So it's wired to think on the negative or the fearful side. But the more you train yourself, the more you practice flipping the switch, like I like to call it, then the easier it becomes, yeah. yeah. Or you can say, another thing I try and do, um, actually, Shells, Cody, just talked to us about this on the podcast. She is uh, a meditation artist and also a hypnotist, which is kind of interesting. She says to press cancel. So once you have the thought, you say cancel, and then you flip to a new one, and you flip to a positive thought. And the first few times you do it, you're like, this is so annoying. Like, this is just how my brain works. Like, I'm, you know, but cancel, cancel. And then eventually you'll go through a day and you'll be like, oh my goodness, I didn't even think that way today. You know, it just takes practice. A lot of us think that's just the way I am. Yeah. And honestly, in case you're all interested, I have a podcast called Wine and Shine. This last episode I just recorded on Saturday was with Shell Hamilton, the uh, meditation artist. And we talked about that because I said that. I was like, what about, because I have a few people in my head, what about the people that think that's just the way that I am? She said to me, she goes, that's not. She's like, at our core, at our core, we truthfully are happy, light people. Think about babies, right? But what happens is we learn the other stuff as we get older. She was like, think about a kid that, you know, was trying to walk and he fell down She's like, did he stop and think, I can't do this? No, they end up getting back up and trying to walk again. So that just goes to, to show you when you're little, you don't have all the cognitive things happening to, to trick yourself into thinking you're not capable of these things, right? You just get up and try again. And that's negative self-talk is something I work on with myself and with everybody because it's true. If you stop and think about how often you negatively talk to yourself throughout the day, you would be really surprised. If you vocalized it, like think about if your friend was talking that way about him or herself, you would say, hold on a second. Like, let's, let's take a step back. Why are you saying these things? But we don't do that with ourselves, right? We just let the real play. And it's, again, a habit-changing thing where you start to, you have to believe, you start to believe that you can, you're capable of it. And then you start seeing the shifts. And then once you start seeing the shifts, you believe in your body and you believe in your mind. And then slowly, kind of like what happened with me. Here's another good book, everyone. It's called The Power of Positive Energy. And I, I really, there's a lot of great tools. A lot of it may be a little hippy-dippy, but take and, you know, pick and choose what you want. I'm hippy-dippy, so I like it. But I really like this quote. So I'll just read it to you guys. 
Um, it says, your superpower in this life is that you are in control of your thoughts, words, and actions. Sure, these things can sometimes run away with you, but when you bring them back to your center, you can start becoming the alchemist. You can shift, flip, and clear your thoughts and emotions so they lift you up, inspire you to act, and create a life that makes you feel good. At the end of the day, your life is what you make it. Every day holds 1,440 minutes that you can choose to live in joy or in fear. Every day, every minute, and every second is a chance you, for you to choose exactly what you want. Thank you guys for coming. Mm-hmm. This is really fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that concludes my workshop at Peace Lutheran. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. I really enjoyed sharing it with you. And if you enjoyed the workshop, I hope to see you on April 7th at Namaste and Love. Again, we will be talking all about adrenal and gut health. And we also have that workshop coming up on April 20th at Lit Life, where we will talk all about harnessing your fear and living your truest, best life. That's it for now. So we'll see you next week back with Liz and our guest, Shell Hamilton, where we talk about meditation and hypnotism. Can't wait for you to join us on next week's episode.